you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL Podcast. We'll never wear lanyards again. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, and boys, did you know that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell? Well, I Where feel did that like come from? I did learn that in science about 27 years ago, I believe. It is trending on Twitter right now, uh, globally, or at least nationally. J.J. Watt tweeted that five hours ago. And people are going nuts, connecting dots, trying to figure out what is the code in there, if any, uh, connecting him to any number of teams that are pursuing the future Hall mm. of Fame pass rusher. Um, and, you know, you guys are educated men. Uh, I was wondering if... There was anything you took out of that? Myco, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Anybody got anything? There is a link to our show because our our friend of the show, Seth Payne, down in Houston, not being on the Jack Easterby uh, beat for a minute, put up a post suggesting uh, this that the translocation of active mitochondria during buffalo oocytes in vitro maturation, fertilization, and pre-implantation embryo development. Some sort of science jargon, but he tied it to the bills, mm. and people are thinking this could be a hint that he is headed to Western New York. <laughs> you know, there is there is somebody else that I he always seems to have a, a, a strong, uh, unique take on things, and I, I take what he says seriously at all times, and I'd like to know his thoughts on this. In fact, let's bring him in. 
one of the all-time friends of the Around the NFL podcast, and now <laughs> a big old star for SI and Monday Morning Quarterback, Connor Orr. Or are you kidding me? Connor, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, buddy. I, I don't I, I don't see how you could take that any other way uh, outside of the fact that he's going to Green Bay. He's going to be a Packer. Um, and that this all goes back to, you know, uh, cows, milk production, uh, Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> mitochondria. Uh, it all folds in really neatly there. How? I think. Yeah. I, I, you know, Greg, <laughs> I don't want to bore you with the science, but – uh, I, I think it, it, you, it's pretty easy to get from point A to point B there. Uh, but I do enjoy J.J. Uh, Watt is doing like a, uh, I guess it's sort of a Breaking Bad thing, right, with the episode titles or the Ozarks when they had the pictures at the beginning of every episode. He's ha- he's having fun with it. He's like every other, you know, uh, kind of boring, boring old white dude at this point. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy for him. I do like when he tweeted out something like, free agency is wild and then people are just like oh man jj watts crazy he went like there. a ton of like like <laughs> like what like this guy's hilarious it's it's like it, the the baseline and this was an old old westism um you know the baseline for like considering what's funny from an athlete is so low it always drove him crazy <laughs> that people thought like peyton manning was like the second coming of of George there. Carlin or something that that's like you could just say the most basic thing possible and be like these athletes they're wacky they're really hilarious. <laughs> my problem it. with my problem with this whole thing though is like I so with Tampa Bay last year I started running my mouth like the second that Tom Brady got there and I was like all these superstar like huge air quote acquisitions are so ridiculous and meaningless like <laughs> Rob Gronkowski Leonard Fournette and I was like you guys think this is a dream team this is just an absolute joke and then you know of course one of my articles ended up on Tom Brady's postseason hype video oh, no. uh, like giving oh, us all a little finger and so you know it it, it, uh, it it felt good I guess to get so my point there was I, I was going to say that all these fans are getting excited to decipher these codes from like who's eventually going to be like a middling 33 year old defensive end but like of course he's going to have 24 sacks next year and break Michael Strahan's record and no, that, then make me look like a huge idiot. I do love the idea of Tom Brady, you know, m- like circling around in his basement, stewing over a Connor Orr <laughs> think piece. Yeah, but that means Connor made it. I mean, to be I, I, I totally agree. Shows the visibility of his platform, uh, which is astounding. But you're right. I think, and there is only one Tom Brady, obviously. But yeah, he does remind you that, you know, don't don't count out the old guys having a, another huge year in the tank. I think Watt certainly qualifies. Connor, what what's going on? How are you? What's going what's what's going on in your world? Are you, are you happy? Are you content? What's new? I just just making it through. You know, I think we're all uh, we're all learning to swim in a little bit of a different way during these times. But uh, at the same time, it has made work. Uh, like we all are very lucky to do this uh, job and to talk about football, but I think we've sort of double and tripled down on that appreciation over the last like 10 months. You know, I have, 
you know, people that I know who are like, whatever, you know, you're doing something very granular, but we do get to in the middle of the day, even if it's a pandemic, be watching football, you know? And so I think that that, uh, that's sort of changed my perspective on a lot of stuff, but I still, I, I get to write about, uh, I, I get to write about all sorts of fun stuff, wrote about Pokemon today. So that was, uh, so that was good, you know? <laughs> We're going to get into that a little bit later because, uh, Pokemon's one of those things that, whether it's because of age or just I've never really been connected to sci-fi and that culture or whatever that is. I don't even know what it is. That's how out of touch I am. I would like to know uh, more about uh, Pokemon and uh, the NFL uh, and how they connect. But, Connor, you, of course, uh, as a former uh, NFL media employee, uh, we go way back. And we got a, a big show. Connor's going to be with us. We're going to get into the news and we're going to take a look ahead at um, surprise cuts. And there's going to be a lot of them. Um, releases, cuts, some that you expect, some that you don't um, with the salary cap going down. And, and Greg, you've been uh, grinding it out on the old dot .com uh, with pieces the last few days. So we're going to get into all that and we're going to do some news but uh connor as we've been doing the last couple of weeks now uh following the passing of chris wessling you are a former nfl uh media cohort and uh, we had a lot of good times together we still have great times together whenever we see each other at tentpole league events although they haven't been happening for about a year now uh but uh since you're on the show uh, have any memories you want to share about your time with Wes, uh, either at the company or before or even after? Oh my God. There's just so many. Um, and you know, I was going through my phone, uh, after I had heard the awful news and it's so like Wes that our last conversation just left you with this beautiful feeling. And he's just such an incredible guy. Like we were talking about, he texted me in the middle of the day about like an Orioles game that he was watching from 1995. Uh, Mike <laughs> Messina was pitching and he knew that I liked the Orioles. And so we were talking about that. We were talking about books and uh, just the way that a certain passage in a book made us both feel. And, you know, he was just talking about these, these golden moments that we have in life and that's really what life is all about and I went back and I read the text and you know we've all I think during the pandemic sort of looked for the big answer like what are we doing here and leave it to Wes to be able to just have dropped that in a text message you know to you in the middle of November um, at a time when he was hurting you know and that's just so like him he was uh he was such an example of a way that we should be living life. You know, it's uh, just so appreciative of every moment of every meal. And uh, so, you know, that that really meant a lot to me that I got to go back and, and reflect on that. But uh, I would say my favorite Wes memory, you know, when I first started working here, I was so intimidated by him because he was his football knowledge is just out of this world. And he has a BS detector like nobody else. I think you guys know that. And. I was like, you know, is he going to like me? Is he not going to like me? And, uh, you know, lo and behold, fast forward to, I think it was our first Super Bowl together, and we're down in Arizona at the League Hotel after the Panthers uh, lost to the Broncos. And that whole
whole year we'd had a running bit about me picking against the Panthers and everybody getting you know upset and keep you know, we, yeah so we started getting, keep pounding and uh, you know you guys were taping the podcast and so I was back at the hotel and I was arranging uh, for your arrival I, I cleared out the uh, the downstairs shop of any beer and what a uh, hero and, Patro- and Patron that they had and I was getting ready for the gang to be back and I just remember sitting with Wes and we were in a big table you know in full view of the entire hotel and we're just screaming keep pounding <laughs> at the top of our lungs and like but he, he he brought this like such a twang to it and it still makes me laugh like i can hear it uh, right now he's like keep pounding yeah there was a real base to his uh, delivery of keep pounding for sure keep, keep oh, pounding my god yeah and then you know, just, I mean, every time I came, you know, just him being so warm and, you know, I remember going to the cozy together um, and uh, just hanging out and having drinks and uh, we would always talk about Steely Dan together and uh, <laughs> I would I would always put on, if I knew that he was coming, I would put on um, This Must Be The Place by Talking Heads, which is one of his Great favorite song. songs yeah. and and he would always turn to me and say, that's my favorite song and it's, yeah, I know because I put it on because I knew you were coming and, you know, but he, uh, yeah, God, I mean, you know, I just miss him every day and, uh, you know, I, I just you know pray for Lakeisha and Lincoln and know that they're that I'm thinking of you guys all the time. So you mentioned that the post Super Bowls and there is like a Mark and I were texting about this yesterday. There is like an innocence um, that's kind of lost now with with West gone and you look back at you know the times that we spent together, hundreds and hundreds of hours, thousands of hours, not just with the mics in front of our faces, but just by the virtue of what our jobs were. We were always together, whether it was in the newsroom, uh, traveling together. And um, the Super Bowl was always that culmination of a long year of work, even though, as we all know, the football calendar doesn't really end at the Super Bowl. For a lot of people, the Super Bowl is the end of the season, as Marcus lamented. It's not the end of the season for us, but also it is when you get to the game, the long Super Bowl week at the city where you cover the game, and then you watch the game, and you go through the long day of Super Bowl, and then the way it always has worked out, then we would go, and sometimes we'd go to a radio station. In recent years, we've done it from the stadium itself. Um, we would do the post-show podcast. We'd usually be one of the last people out of the building on Super Bowl Sunday. And then you would get that release uh, where we would all get together. And Connor, all-time hero, Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco, when you, you had us well-stocked and, and we turned the lobby into a party. And you're, you're right that with Wes and the golden moments, like he enjoyed those moments. Like, all right, we, we worked hard, we did the job, and now we're going to have fun together. He, I, I remember, too, the, the Seahawks Super Bowl, the the uh, – the interception at the goal line, right? And I had come from, uh, you know, a newspaper background, and so you're used to being in these just dead quiet press boxes, and everybody's so serious about themselves. They, they, they take themselves too seriously. And I remember that entire game. That might, that was the first game I think I ever watched with Wes, and he is on his feet from the minute the game starts and he's yelling and he's like, Oh, did you see that? You know? And he's like turning around and he's like, you know, and I'm, I'm like, Oh my God, like what is going on here? And, and, but it, it was just this moment that hit me like, Oh my God, like we are, we're watching football for a living. And like this guy embodies that appreciation and that, and that endless joy. And so that was like, you never heard him complain about it uh, once. He was just this, uh, 
this beautiful soul. But that game too, in particular, just like every two seconds, yeah, did you see that catch? Did you see that? Pat? You know, and just oh, he was watching games with him was just unbelievable. I sent you Connor that picture of Wes in an easy chair in that hotel lobby after you. And you know, when you say to Connor, go, please, if you wouldn't mind, would you would you fetch a couple beers? He doesn't show up with a six pack. It was like bottles of wine. Um, it was a Patron. massive assortment. Yeah, it was just like Connor was the absolute best person on the planet to do that job. But there's a picture of Wes. We're all exhausted just sitting there. And he had this big woolen cap because remember how cold and windy yeah. that se- that Super Bowl 50 was in San Francisco. And if I'm not mistaken, that was also the, the game that in the middle of it, um, Wes got yanked out of our ability to observe because Marshawn Lynch retired like minutes into the game and suddenly Mm -hmm. West was stuck writing this article. And that was, you know, there were times when you could look, I could, I was sitting next to West and you could feel the, uh, sometimes the irritation um, in the timing of a situation coming off. And I was like thinking, my God, I'm glad I'm not writing that piece right now, but Wes is doing it. He did a great job with it. And he celebrated after he was a unique guy on that front. And Marshall Lynch didn't even have the common decency to stay retired at least. I mean, if you're going (laughs) to make us deal with that, make Wes deal with that. If if Wes is writing your retirement post, stay the hell retired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now Connor, you're taking um, his place as the guy that's going to need to have the knit cap um, at the Super Bowl because now you're going West style shaved head uh, and it can get a little you know he he often commented you know get a little cold and get a little cold without that that hair as protection I uh, I didn't realize how much just a light thin dusting of hair on top of your head actually did for you until um, I confronted the looming baldness, uh, got rid of the hair, and then, you know, went outside one day and I was like, oh my God, it's cold. It's it's five degrees that. colder, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what, you know, there's a reason we were born with that stuff, you know, to, whatever it is. In the evolutionary train, there was a purpose for that. When you were talking about, like, the the back and forth of having to shave your head frequently, like... And, and missing spots in the back. I mean, you have a, a lovely wife at home. Would she shave your head for you so that you don't have to That's deal love. with that? Right. It was, yeah, I would say it was one of those days where, like, early on in COVID, where we just, you know, nobody knew what the heck was going on. And it, it just felt like normal was never going to return. And so we were just like, you know what? We're going to lean into this. We're going to order, you know, our own haircutting kit off the internet. And uh, <laughs> we're going to go outside and we're going to shave dad's head. And it was, uh, she's been great. She's been my barber ever since. And uh, I, I wouldn't trade her for the world. I I recently got the, I made the decision, oh, this could save us potentially hundreds of dollars. And I got all the, equipment to start giving my boys haircuts and I gave one of the most insane looking haircuts to my <laughs> eldest son Jack and now it's like now I'm in like caught in this in between because Harrison's hair came out okay and Jack's he looks like a child from an orphanage and I'm like should I should I take that as practice and keep building toward it or should I bail on this I already have the equipment I'm kind of in a, caught in between right now you got to go to Dan I mean we grew up with these with this very vibrant company coming to age in our youth, um, Barbizon. Remember, you go there and get a few skills on on haircutting and maybe Not a bad some thought. makeup as well. Not it's a bad no, thought. It's no different than going to you know before I, my wife was cutting my hair, you would go to you know Supercuts or one of these chains, and it's like I, I told people, it's like seeing an off Broadway show. You could get the next Picasso in that chair. You know, you could get the next star, the Lin one, the Lin. Lin Juan. Manuel, yes. something. 
Thank you. Uh, Or you could get, you know, uh, a horse Tony Danza. And, uh, (laughs) and, you know, like there were times when somebody would give me the greatest haircut of my life and send me home feeling good. And then there's another time where you get a stylist who's talking about how she was like a roadie for Alien Ant Farm and is just here trying to get, you know, a couple bucks. (laughs) And you're like, get away from my head, you know. But, uh, you know, these are the chances we take. Lynn manuel Miranda. That's yes. the name. Sorry. Um, Sorry. Uh, and one final thought before we before we get to news, because um, you mentioned the golden moments. And there, I had a moment on Sunday night uh, where I was sitting outside in Southern California. And for all of California's ills right now, and there are many, um, one of the great things about living here, and it's cliche, but whatever. If you grew up in the Northeast, you get it, is the weather is so great. And it's it was the middle of February. Uh, middle of February here, and it was just, you know, 65 degrees and a perfect sunset. And I was grilling, and I I was on my second Tito's, and I had music playing out of the garage. And I thought, this is always usually when I would text Wes, and I would ha- I would be a little bit loose, and a song would come on, or I'd be grilling, and always you always think about Wes with, with the big green egg and everything, and I'd shoot him a text about whatever. And it actually, that was one of, like... Um, and they, it happens occasionally, like a sad moment where I got really sad because I was like, oh, I can't text mm-hmm. um, uh But that, at the same time, uh, even though that was sad, it, it again kind of speaks to Wes that, that in that moment, which is like a perfect life moment, it's like, oh, I was thinking of Wes. That's when Wes and I would communicate because Wes, that, he lived for those moments too. Uh, truly special man, Chris Wessling. Um, all right. Let's get to it. Let's do some news. Oh, where's your dad? You're the free agent. Where's your dad? You're the free agent. You're the free agent. You ass. Let me where's your dad? Where's your pop? You know, very rarely would I get on um, a high school kid getting buried by the national media, but you know, the kid that came after Cam at Cam's camp to help other kids—that's a bad job by that kid. Uh, I'm, I'm happy at least someone got to him. And had him do the old cliche, take take out the notes app and write the apology and tweet it out. Hopefully he meant it. Um, but I, I truly, you feel for Cam then, because then that goes viral. And uh, and Cam is ultimately right. At the end of the day, Cam is rich, even if he is a free agent, you know? I, I don't know about you guys, but we're all parents. And I watched that, and a couple things stood out. The, the, high, the high school kids standing around the mouthy one where like their looks were one of awkwardness because they are like, wait, suddenly our friend who is our teammate. And, you know, we, we like this guy is taking on Cam Newton, which makes, which is sort of um, hard to process. But then I, as a parent, I was just thinking I, it made me uneasy. I am praying that my children never approach anyone um, with that, someone of that stature and an, an accomplished person with that kind of, um, Attitude. I would be. I would run. I would. I would fly to the farthest um, reaches of the world to get away from having to deal with that. <laughs> it made me think of uh, once at a St. Patrick's Day parade uh, in Scranton. Hillary Clinton was running in 2008, and um, I didn't. I wasn't nearly as mean as this kid was to Cam Newton. But I remember like just being in the moment and seeing her like ten feet away from me and just being like Hillary Clinton, you know. <laughs> and I'm th- like. Now, like as a 32 year old, I'm like, what was my plan? 
if she right. had turned around and addressed me. And like, thank God she just kept walking. And it was one of those things where this kid probably didn't think that Cam Newton was going to turn around. Like he thought he would be hilarious with his friends. And then as soon as Cam turned around, uh, it, you just saw the life drain out of his face. But I think right. what was amazing about it was Cam is such that, boy, did he turn the power of television production on that kid in a cocaine heartbeat and all of a sudden <laughs> this kid is like cam cam gets the cameras around and it makes it a teaching moment totally flips the narrative and just pins this kid under his thumb and makes him look like a little jerk and uh you know you know that i think lesson learned that day you know, i would say sure. if there was one misstep by cam is that when he took to social media to address the incident that would have been a good time, especially with the kids of America involved here and teaching lessons, to drop that dopey font of his that he uses with his posts. <laughs> Just right and standard good point. King's English. Let's let's roll forward as a society and accept that as a failed experiment, just like that kid failed in his attempt at garnering attention. I don't know. Is that is Greg, is that unfair? You've been silent. Uh well it just feels like if if it, it's one of those stories that it was only a story because of the day it happened. Right. It's like, why is. Are, why is anyone talking about this? If this offends you, go to any high school classroom in America for three minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you will see something that offensive. And, and like, be, be a 16-year-old for three minutes. Like, you, you or one of your friends will probably say something that offensive. Like, right. do we need to talk about it that much? Greg letting the kid off the hook, it sounds like. All right. And not well, letting off the, the hook. We need the contrarian Greg delivered it. Well, I, I, w- I said before the show, I was like, why is anyone talking about this? That's all. So I was I, To your point, though, I do remember being that age and the Hillary Clinton thing. Like, my friend and I were at a Mets game, and we were centered over, like, the outfield somewhere. And we spent seven straight innings um, trying to get Kirk Gibson's attention, shouting at him, berating him, um, give, <laughs> waving our hands and giving him the finger. And finally, like, in the eighth inning, he finally looked up and he was like, you <laughs> and we were like yes we did it we did it and that was like so it's like when you're that young like you don't like you you just want to get the famous person's attention so <laughs> not to stay sidetracked here but now you're giving me memories the yankees had some truly dreadful teams in the early 90s and there was a matinee game in august and they were probably 25 games under 500 me and my cousin matt were in the upper deck and right field of the old yankee stadium which was Really, uh, now that it's gone and there's a new stadium there, the old Yankee Stadium, the upper deck used to almost hang over the field. So if you were there in the front row and the place was empty and the right fielder uh, was in the field, you were kind of on top of them. So me and my cousin Matt, we were probably both like eight or no, probably about nine or ten just screaming at the top of our lungs for like three straight innings. Mel Hall! Mel Hall! (laughs) And then finally, he he just looks up and he's like... What? <laughs> we had nothing else to say. We just wanted a reaction. I guess that kid wanted one too. He got it. It was every day it. of their lives for 17 years. You know, if you had a long right. MLB career, it's just like every single day. Every yeah. day. Sneaky challenge of being a Major League Baseball outfielder. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. Uh, speaking of New York sports, uh, we haven't touched on Sam Darnold in a minute here. Sam Darnold is the. Uh, entering his fourth season in the league. Very disappointing first three years in New York. There are um, different ways to look at it. It's uh, Darnold being um, not living up to the the prospects of being a number three overall pick and not playing well, but then also the Adam Gase disaster in general. The Jets putting a lot of 
bad things around him. So uh, with the Jets potentially ready for a fresh start, Darnold is reportedly, allegedly on the trade block. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reports the Jets have received, quote, real interest in Darnold. And Rappaport added that the team would complete their evaluations of the top QBs in the NFL draft before making any decisions on what to do. Greg, so this is uh, this all seems to be pointing in a certain direction, that Darnold will be moved. Uh, what are your thoughts about where this is and, in general, just the subject of Darnold and where his career goes from here? Yeah, I thought, you know, when some of the New York reporters said a second-round pick is, you know, where it's starting for Darnold, I took that to mean that's like what that's what the Jets want, and maybe they're not even getting that yet. And my reaction is similar to the Wentz thing when I heard that they were getting offered two seconds. I was like, take it now before anything changes. Trade Darnold now. Like his numbers over his last you know sixteen games at Football Perspective put this up today. It's like are literally worse than Dwayne Haskins. And we, we and Haskins is younger. We would never think to give Haskins like the benefit of the doubt that Darnold has. Uh comparing with Gardner Minshew, who's also younger. It's like of course he's not even in that same ballpark. Like yeah, the Gase thing was a disaster, but he's played a lot of football and there's almost no historical precedent to be as bad as Darnold's been and recover for anything more than Oh, then league average that, okay, maybe you'll, you'll have a couple seasons where people are like, Hey, this guy's a, an average or above average. Like take, take whatever you can get now. I think the longer you wait and I just don't expect them to be with the jets. I, I guess I've sort of thrown in the towel there on Darnold. I would just ask, like, you know, we talked with Damashek on our last show about the subject of quarterback saturation, which has not been the case for 90% of this podcast, but the last couple of years, like, Who's calling? I, I look around. It could be, I guess, maybe the Bears. That would make sense. I could really see Darnold in a Chicago Bears uniform. I mean, the Panthers, potentially. I doubt that. What if, you, what if you're the Jets and the only real um, interest you got came from, in the end, based on you know, other stuff happening, the New England Patriots? Would you ever move them just to move them if you were to land there I like I just he seems else? like the anti-patriots quarterback though like I I would say take take well, what so you did can get Cam a year ago I think they would want like guys who are either athletic or like process quickly like just the kind of mental mistakes that Darnold's I guess shown in a great again you have to give him some leeway with Gase but it's like what are we hoping for if they if they could get a second round pick take it while they can is what I would say <laughs> It's a great point on saturation. I was talking to uh, Jordan Palmer, Carson's brother, who trains draft prospects um, and has Trevor Lawrence this year. And he had said, like, dude, I have clients now, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids in Germany. Like, that's how many clients I have, and I'm training them all to be NFL quarterbacks. Every single college in America is four deep with kids who are capable of starting in the NFL. It's gotten that good, you know, and and teams, on the flip side, have gotten willing to bend their um, idea of a traditional offense to make something work. So once that all comes together, like, we're not going to, you know, the game is going to be so saturated that we're done getting attached to this idea of a franchise quarterback like I think that mm. they're going to be as replaceable as you know maybe a really good wide receiver or defensive end like you can move on and you can make it work without them I think it's been it's it's hard uh, for Jets fans because you really did invest in Darnold and everything pointed to him being the right guy right down to like we talk about Wes uh, Wes 
saw good things from Darnold. We talked about Tony Romo talked about how he saw special things and special traits in Darnold. A lot of smart football people think Darnold's a player, and and a lot of people still think he could be a player. Dan Orlovsky at ESPN is a, a vocal supporter of Darnold. Um, and he's actually younger than Gardner Minshew. You know, he's 23 still, which is insane. So there is there is this path where it's like, could he get straightened out in the right situation, a la Tannehill, a la Alex Smith? But at the same time, with a new regime, with the Jets, um, with Joe Douglas now firmly in charge and handling all aspects of the roster building uh, with Robert Sala there, it, it just makes too much sense, I think, at the number two pick to fr- get a fresh start there. So, Tannehill's a good comp because he came into a terrible situation in Miami and played receiver in college. And it's like you saw things like Tannehill was average from the jump. And I guess that's that's where you hope there's some GM like like a Lewis Riddick um, if he was in charge of a team that like still believes in his college evaluation so much that he'll give up a pick for him. I'm not even sure that guy's out there, though, because what he's shown on tape, it's just he's never shown to be, like, average like Tannehill did right off the That's my question. Just I don't understand, like, where all this interest is coming from, but TBD. Um, In other quarterback news, check back in on this Russell Wilson situation. Uh, Wilson kick-started a lot of uh, chatter and a lot of phone calls uh, um, being made when – he told a couple different media outlets that he's sick of being hit and essentially that improvements need to be made uh, with Seattle to get over the hump uh, and get back to the Super Bowl. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero uh, reported um, earlier this month that teams have continued to call the Seahawks about Wilson's availability. And then Michael Silver, our own Michael Silver at NFL Media, reports that teams believe a deal with Wilson would start with three first-round picks. And, uh, Connor, like, we we talked about this, Greg, a little bit with uh, Deshaun Watson as well. Like, is there a limit with, with when you're coming up with random trade uh, compensation packages for a true superstar quarterback? Is it – where does it get ridiculous? Is it five first-round picks, ten first-round picks? Like, at what point uh, do we not buy into this being feasible? And is three first-round picks a worthy price for a 32-year-old quarterback like Russell Wilson? I would compare first-round picks to gin and tonics, right, in that once you get past three, uh, you're in a realm of ridiculousness and trouble that <laughs> doesn't uh, that doesn't <laughs> offer any sort of sound return for you. But, yeah, I, I think that Russell Wilson is interesting in that none of this is – unintentional right this guy has his entire day planned out uh, physically but also mentally every day this is exactly what I'm going to do this is how I'm going to think I mean he has a mental processing coach that helps him along in this way and to go out and state um, what he has it to me feels a hundred percent planned and maybe he wasn't getting what he wanted on the other end of conversations with Seahawks management whatever it is but you know this is a guy who knows exactly what he's doing uh, you know Aaron Rodgers gets a lot of credit for doing that in Green Bay but Russell Wilson is not far behind in terms of someone with that power that cachet and that knows how to sort of move the chess pieces around um, on, a, on a sleepy afternoon in the NFL offseason. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it also feels a bit quirky to me because the Seahawks don't value gin and tonics. I mean, I don't think <laughs> I can't think of a team that cares less about first round picks. So why, why, what is in this for the Seahawks on any level to trade them? I, like, and again, where? 
Right. Well, that's where it makes it. I think there'd be plenty of wares. Sure, you know, but I mean, D- Denver for any of these teams. By the way, I, I three, sure, four or five. I don't know. I think five. I would give up. Like depending on who you are, people get so. I think first round picks are somewhat overrated. That like you can, you can like look at the last five Seahawks first round picks. Now that they're they're a unique team, they're usually drafting late, but. Uh, James Carpenter, Bruce Irvin, Jermaine Effetti, Rashad Penny, LJ Collier, and Jordan Brooks. I would trade fifteen of those guys for <laughs> Russell Wilson. What's the what's the difference? And you could do that with more teams than you think. And those five would not add up to me to to Russell Wilson. So I I don't think for a team like like the Patriots or the Broncos, teams that literally have nothing right now. Um, that, that that would be too much because you should be able to figure out how to build a team other ways too with the rest of your draft picks and free agency and trades and everything else. And that solves like not only solves the biggest thing that you could have, but gives you a monster advantage at quarterback too. Here's something interesting I learned from the latest uh, Monday morning quarterback, uh, Peter King column. Uh, he was talking about Deshaun Watson and he was cooking up trade possibilities for the disgruntled Houston passer. And he said, keep in mind, teams cannot trade draft picks beyond 2023 right now. So I guess that's that's the limit. I don't know if that's something that um, is written in stone, but the way King wrote it, it seems like it is. So you can't do more than three. And then you have to, I guess, get creative second round picks. And then the Rams players. would have already traded him, I guess, if it was right. Possible. I mean, you're that's just right. like you're, you're shooting an arrow into a future GM, but. What about this, Mark? How about this as a move? What if you offered, um, let's use the Browns as an example. If you offered 10 first-round picks between 2040 and 2049, <laughs> would you give that up for Russell Wilson? Hell yeah. Like, that's the kind of GMing I would do, which is, like, bury a few, someone who's three, like four months old right now but will grow up to be a general manager. They can deal with it. That bill's going to come due, though. I mean, maybe we not won't for be around me. for it. I hope yeah. we will, but it's not that it's 20 years away. Imagine 10 straight years without a first round pick. And the guy, imagine you're 20 years old at that point. You're like, but, wait, why is my team always terrible? Oh, we made the, <laughs> the worst trade ever 20 years ago and never got out of the divisional round. Well, it's I like guess you pay Bobby Bonilla a, a million dollars every year until, uh, you know, <laughs> Jesus returns. I guess that's why they make those rules because the NBA is running into this a little bit. Like the Thunder have like 13 first round picks through 2027 or something like that. And the Pelicans have, have a ton of them too. And it, it, there is something about it that it it just feels ridiculous. Uh, but also like an interesting experiment. That was always my favorite thing to do on Madden the day, like before the draft, you would trade your entire roster for first round draft picks. And then you would end up with picks like two through 17. And you were just, you were just on the clock for like 55 straight minutes and just, uh, yeah, uh, the fantasy is real. I've always, and this goes all the way back to, uh, why not, my not days of the around the NFL podcast in your old, I believe the college football game, um, uh, Connor, um, but you have always been a person that when you get into your sports video game, you dive deep. Like you really get into the roster management and all that stuff. It's almost like actually playing the games is secondary for you. And I think there's a whole market of people that are like that. Yeah, it's funny. Like after that, we did that whole bit. It really did take off. Like there are people who do that now. That's like what they do on YouTube. I'm not saying that we, we deserve credit for it. But when you're old 
and you don't have time for the franchise setting on a sports game now. Like the only video games that I play, my wife and I play Family Feud for the Nintendo Switch at night when the kids go to bed. Get adorable. And so you you have That's to the build. Cutest thing I've ever heard. You have to build like a character archetype from like this just man, and like you're just like yeah, he's like a bored businessman who's gonna moneyball Family Feud and figure out a way to you know. And then <laughs> the wheels are turning, even if I can't play Madden necessarily. Um, on the subject of games, before we get into the uh, cuts and franchise tag players, Connor, you have a new feature up um, on uh, si.com. Uh, about Pokemon, and I revealed my ignorance on this earlier. I, I referred to it as, as a science fiction game. Maybe I'm right. I don't know. Now you have a chance to really uh, provide some clarity there. But Cassius Marsh, um, the linebacker, who also uh, is such a fan of Pokemon that he's taken his love to the next level. Do you want to share a little bit about uh, this piece that you've written? Because it's very interesting. So, yeah, I'm So I'm standing. You can't see behind me is my entire Pokemon card collection it's kind of like stacked up like a big <laughs> tower um, I can I can send you a picture afterwards but we had uh, someone had emailed Wait, are you serious by the way yeah 100% wow. okay yeah Let's um, go. keep going and so uh, someone had emailed us at SI and said, you know, there's a Steelers player who's thinking about opening a Pokemon card store. And there was someone in our office that said, that sounds like something that I'd be interested in. And then one of our editors said, if Connor doesn't do this story, he's going to have a heart attack. Like, he has to do it. Uh, and so everyone called me, and it was good. Everything worked out. But, yeah, Cassius Marsh is incredible. It, it, uh, Magic the Gathering uh, savant. Uh, he actually, his car was broken into and he had $20,000 worth of Magic the Gathering cards stolen when he was in Seattle. And then all of a sudden, uh, the community kind of got turned on to the fact that he was into it. He became this sort of like athlete surrogate for trading card games. And he's like, you know what? I love this. I'm going to open my own store in the middle of the pandemic. I don't care what's going on. And so... I got a tour of uh, the store. It's just going to open. Cash Cards Unlimited. Yeah, Cash Cards Unlimited, which is going to open next week. And it's legit. Like, he has. Uh, it was just, like, surreal. Like, all the conversations that I've ever had with players about things that they don't want to talk about and things that really I don't want to talk about either. And then now here I am <laughs> with, like, an NFL player being like, wait, is that a uh, is that a first edition base set blister pack right there? And he's like, oh, yeah. And I was like, hey, can, can you zoom in on that real quick? And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, you have all the Team Rocket sets? Okay, good, good, good. You know, and uh, so it was cool. But, you know, the really, like, I, I got to talk to some of the people who are uh, kind of steeped in the Magic the Gathering world, and it's a really neat story. Like, parents are sending him thank yous uh, for s making it seem a little more mainstream, a little less, like, hard quote, air quotes, nerdy. And it, it does sort of bridge that classic divide between the jock and the nerd. And I do think that there is, like, a cool thing that he's doing there. There is sort of, like, a, you know, a, another step toward acceptance, if you, if you will. I think also, like, I mean, if I were to pick an NFL player that would be operating in Pokemon realms, uh, Cassius Marsh wouldn't be the first. He's, uh, he's like a giant muscle bound figure with, uh, his both arms are canvassed with tattoos from shoulder to wrist. And here he is playing. It's not a child's game at all, I guess. It's a collector's. I don't know how to describe it. You do it better than I. You sent cards to my kids. They still remember you for that. Hmm. That's right. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm 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 cool in that way. I like you are still still collecting, still still trucking. I like this quote from Marsh. All of this stuff, it's art. 
for the new generation. These cards are similar to buying Picasso. They're high-end collectibles, high-end art. A lot of these pieces are extremely rare. Some of these sports cards are one of one. It's like getting a personal piece from a famous artist. It's just in its infancy right now. Do you have what kind of value do you have in that room you're in right now? So I I started clearing out stuff that I had additional um, additional things of during the pandemic and uh, was able to sell cards for a pretty decent amount of money um and i posted my entire collection and then i immediately like yanked it back off of ebay because i was like you know what am i gonna do like you know my kids aren't gonna care about this and then i was like but what if they do and like so i all of a sudden like <laughs> grabbed it grabbed it and took it down offline but yeah, it's it's fun you know i that's that's something like got into when i was a little kid hardcore and then Cassius Marsh and I were talking about this. You go to college and you give everything away because you think, God, if anybody finds out that I do this, they're going to make fun of me. And then you get to your dorm room and everybody has a Game Boy. Like uh, there was 10 people on my floor that were all playing Pokemon. And I was like, wait, this is okay. Like, why did I, why did I get rid of this? And uh, so after, once you have like a little bit of disposable income, you get back into it a little bit just to sort of have something to do, help you zone out. Excellent. Check it out. Um, you can go to Connor Orr's uh, Twitter page. Easiest way to find it uh, at C-O-N-O-R-O-R-R. What a name it is also. Uh, and it's on SI.com. All right. Let's. Um, hey, Dan, does that solve your science fiction issue here? Have, have you. Do you I still, like- well, I still don't know what they are. I don't know like what Pokemon is like a cartoon, but it's like a like an. Are they aliens or what? I still don't really know what they are. And the magic there's there's wizards involved and stuff. So I don't. But I don't judge. I just don't understand it. It's a world that's strange to me. Like when I was in college, I had a uh, a roommate. A, he was a senior. It was the first place dorm I got put into. So it was just a mix of guys. And he would have like Dungeons and Dragons battles with these other guys. And they all looked like Gareth from the UK office. Like <laughs> I was like, all right, well, that's a whole thing that I'm not really plugged into. But I know it's got popularity. I would say that Pokemon are more like animals that you would encounter uh, in the wild and then domesticate and then they uh, help you along your adventure uh, uh, to uh, fame and prominence but also self-discovery. That would be the best way that I would put it. That was good. (laughs) I like that. I mean, that's interesting. All right, let's get into, uh, let's move on now. And um, Greg, like I said, you've been busy. You've been pounded out bangers. That's what you do. You pound out bangers. From your uh, little home office behind closed doors, and um, let's let's dig into <laughs> let's dig into. You made it sound so weird. That and like animals you meet in the forest, and they advance your life along. A lot happening here. A lot of it just sitting on the couch in the main room, really. You know, you pound out bangers in the main couch. Okay. Yeah, with just wow. the the madness going around me. There's something about like sitting back here, like at a desk. Uh, you know, when you're not podcasting, that feels like it's too much. Like it's even it's too close to going to the office. I'd rather just sit on the couch. All right, I'm with you. All right, <laughs> let's get into it. We'll start with some. We're gonna get to some cuts, some surprise cuts. Um, but um, and it should be known by the way that we have a little bit um of an issue here because Greg has been writing about this stuff on our website for years. Connor does the same thing for SI. What, that means double the double the power, but there can only be one that truly sits atop um, the throne as the true um, master 
of this type of article, and, and Mark is going to let us know who that is at the end of the show. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, anyway, let's start with the 2021 um, NFL franchise slash transition tag primer, colon, who are the no-brainers? Debatable <laughs> candidates? <laughs> headlines. I never do the headlines. I don't understand you know, the headlines you, sometimes. You, you know how that works. I guess it's, it's SEO, but there's a lot. Anyway, um, all right, Greg. Let's start with the no-brainers, and um, it should be known, everybody should be aware that just because a team tags somebody doesn't mean that player is going to play for the team. Um, so I'm curious, Greg, setting it up that way, you have Dak atop the list, Allen Robinson, wide receiver of the Bears, Chris Godwin, wide receiver of the Bucks, uh, Taylor Moten of the, the uh, Panthers, uh, Moton? Moten? Yeah, Moten. Moten, the tackle, Kenny Galladay, wide receiver, Lions, okay? Of those guys, who's the most likely or who are the guys you see there that could get moved, do you think, and, and who's definitely playing for their team in 2021? Ian's putting out a little bit of, like, watch Allen Robinson possibly get traded or maybe Galladay. Like, does it really make sense for them to be paying $16 million when they're rebuilding? So they could be possible trades. But it gets to the point of, like, all these teams that are – People spend so much time in January of like, these are the free agents we want to get. And a lot of them are these three receivers, you know, Robinson, Godwin, and Galladay. And none of them are going to be available except maybe in a trade that's going to cost a lot. And I, I've been setting up the, the list, you know, the free agency list. And, man, I think it's bad this year. Usually I'm kind of pumping it up. And especially at receiver, it's bad. So maybe some team, I would give up a nice pick for Allen Robinson and give him money. I would give up a second-round pick at the least. So I think the Bears could get something. But the most likely outcome is they're all with their teams and they're all staying put because, like, letting go of good guys is stupid. Allen Robinson seems, you know, there's a continued streak of um, – he seems a little disenfranchised, and I, I don't blame him. I would love to see Allen Robinson with a functional quarterback for the first time in Earth history. <laughs> I'm not sure it's happening with the Bears, or I am sure it's not happening with the Bears. All of a sudden, then he'll just end up back in Jacksonville, the circle of life. It always drops you back off in, in <laughs> northern Florida. I mean, if he gets paid, yeah, he seems to be he's the one that seems to be trying to grease the skids to get out of town. He's doing like pot, different podcasts and he's making it pretty clear. Yeah, we we mentioned on this podcast a few weeks ago that he's been dropping all sorts of hints in his social media about where he might want to end up. Um, all right. You have a category. Say yes. What does that mean exactly, Greg? It's just, I think it was like an Elliot Smith reference from like eight years ago that just out of apathy has just stayed there forever. But, you know, one of the all-time <laughs> Elliot Smith songs. Ah, okay. And of that of that category, um, what's the name that jumps out to you that's a, kind of an interesting uh, um, case? Aaron Jones, uh, I think the more I've thought about it, makes sense to keep for $8 million, which would be the franchise, or less on the transition tag. This is another one where little people around the league are like thinking, I, I just assumed he would be gone and they would let him go, but that would annoy... Did you say little people around the league? Yeah, I don't know. That, what is, I, I, I caught that too. <laughs> yeah, just me. You know, people like me, like little people. Stature. Yeah. Oh. Um, they, uh, that they don't think it makes sense to actually let him go. Aaron Rodgers would be pissed. Connor, you don't want to piss off Aaron Rodgers. Like, why not keep Aaron Jones for $8 million for one year? I think that's a bargain. 
if you make Aaron Rodgers mad, you're not going to get yelled at. It's like it's the it's the fear of what is going to happen. Like you're going to make him mad, and then you're not going to hear anything. And then like a month later, you go to dinner at his house, and the meal is totally poisoned. You know, and that's like the kind of person he is. And so, yeah, I would 100 percent like to keep Aaron Rodgers happy, and it totally makes sense if you look at where running back contracts are headed. He could almost be getting, you know, sixty percent more than that on the open market if a team, you know, if there's a team that is going for it, quote unquote, this off season. Like I could see him being a twelve million dollar a year player for two, for one or two years, um, and so eight million makes a ton of sense to me. The, Who cares if you drafted his replacement already? You're going to need three or four good running backs. The Athletic Shield Capadia believes Aaron Jones could get up to fifteen million in uh, free agency per season. Have we? Have there been enough? running back deals that have blown up in recent years that that market is not going to materialize for Jones. I know he's a special player. Well, I know he's a very good slash great running back, but is he a special running back that would get that kind of money? I think think so. It only takes one team and we've seen that time and time again. The whole like running backs aren't going to get paid because it's all gone poorly. And now even the Panthers are maybe trying to trade Christian McCaffrey. Like that's all true, but everyone got paid. Like Mixon got paid. Kamara got paid. Derrick Henry in his own way got paid. Like if you're that good that you usually do. So get like a one year contract seems nice. They have their cap issues. That's the problem, but they're going to cut some players. They're going to cut Preston Smith. They think they've already cut um, a couple players like Christian Kirksey and they'll, you find a way to keep the guys you want. So the Packers in our, in one world are going to get JJ Watt, but move on from one of the two pass rushers they got in in the offseason a couple years ago that have become incredibly expensive for them at this point. I think so. I think that's possible. Play J.J. Watt at running back to replace Aaron Jones. (laughs) That would be be okay. That would be a great experiment just to line him up back there for a whole year, and I would love just to see what his numbers would be. Like, does he run for 500 yards? I mean, we have a little bit of a test case with Derek Watt, you know, as, you know, been in the the league for a while. You know what? You've said it yourself. Why are you picking on Derek Watt? I'm not. I'm just saying he's a running back Watt that we've seen, you know, fullback, I guess. uh, What would J.J. Watt's longest run be over the course of a year? 80 yards. 80 yards. 80 yards. (laughs) I don't see that happening. Although, I mean, you need like four smaller, as Greg would say, little people at most, four of them to drag him down. I would would compare his output on a a game-by-game basis to what Le'Veon Bell did with the Jets. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of one to two yard runs and maybe a nine yarder when the, and the crowd would be like, oh, yeah, he's back, baby. We I was putting together, like I said, that free agency list and I'm doing the running backs or whatever. And I'm thinking like, oh, is Le'Veon Bell's career over? That was crazy. Close. Like that was fast. It happens really fast. Like Le'Veon Bell, who I thought was a, almost a bargain for the Jets. Like I think there's a pretty decent chance his career is over. I don't know. It's just like. Don't don't have your kids be running back. Well, he was so selfless to take the year off and, and <laughs> for and everyone do it else for, for all running backs. Uh, you know, nothing but praise. He came, yeah. He came. He went away for that year, and he came back a different guy. Uh, it just it wasn't there anymore. A third of the guy. Hmm. You could say that. All right. On the uh, before we move on to surprise cuts, Greg. So on the leaning no, is that an Elliott Smith song as well? No, no. That's okay. just like you know the lean yes, the lean no. 
Oh, okay. Uh, is there, what is the, <laughs> you have Shaquille Griffin, uh, Griffin, the cornerback for the Seahawks at the top of the list, Matt Milano, the linebacker for the Bills. You got a couple linemen for the Pats. Uh, tell us about this list. Is there anyone, you, you uh, would disagree with Connor, especially if you have a list that, like Curtis Samuels, the guy I think will get paid a lot. Joe Tooney is going to get paid a lot. There's a chance I think Bill Belichick will just, eat the poop, as you would say, Dan, and just yeah. pay Joe Tooney like $18 million a year because he just feels like dumb for letting him go and having tagged him and not signing him to a long-term deal a year ago. Otherwise, he's going to be like incredibly rich, Joe Tooney. I, I mean, I, I don't even think it's a sandwich prop, Greg. I think if he's not on the Patriots, I think the Jets would go all out for him because mm. they were ready to make the move last year, and then Tooney was a surprise uh, tag. I think some of them are interesting. Like if you look in New Orleans at like Hendrickson and how insane their cap situation is, and it just it just goes to show that we are saying right now, oh, this team will not use the salary cap. This team will not sign a guy to a high end fifteen million dollar deal. And then all of a sudden, like there's just this switch that flips, and it teaches us all what we learn every year is that none of our understanding of the cap is even close to what it needs to be, and it's all mysticism, and it's just an excuse for teams not to pay players, and then as soon as you go, whoa, ah, and then all of a sudden you have $20 million in cap space, and you don't know how it happened, and like Field Yates tweets, well, it was just a series of small <laughs> corrections in the back end of the deal, uh, if you, you know, five cents here and there, and all of a sudden you have $100 million in cap That's space. That's a good Yates. You know? That's a good Yates. That, that was yeah. not a Field Yates impression. That was like a. <laughs> uh, please feel I'm a big fan of yours. Don't uh, don't think that I was making fun of you. But uh, I would say it's just more like it's that, it, and it's not just Field. It's like He's, anybody who that's his corner. That's it, his it, corner. It, it is a corner of his. Yeah, it, it would it'd be. It's sort of a collective voice of anybody in that corner who uh, really nails the deep minutia of of contract. Mickey Loomis is the king of that of the Saints. I, I think there is something to that, Connor. That like they're trying harder be, yeah. by shuffling. It's the same thing with the Rams. Every year we hear the Rams. Oh, the oh the Rams they've given it up. There goes their window. Like they they're in salary cap hell. It's like no, you can if you especially if your owner's got enough money and to figure it out to just give people cash up front and keep just spreading out to the future. Like it, it's always the, the spaceship is always going up. You can find a way. It's like your neighbor who I've said this on another podcast before, but like you're looking around and you're like, I've sneakily Googled how much you make. How is your house so much nicer than mine? You know, and you just start like and you just start like looking around and then it's just like, well, if you reverse the mortgage and then you triple the mortgage and then you have Wait. the mortgage, you know, and then all of a sudden they gave me a check for 80 million dollars. And it's like, how the how the hell does that work? Wait, how do you know how much your neighbors make? There's a lot happening there, Connor. Oh, boy. Do we want to get... <laughs> I'm curious. We're all curious. Uh, we're all reporters here. He's you a know? journo. Yeah. You're a re you're a, yeah, you're a journo. We haven't been doing great journo work lately, or at least aggressive journo work. But uh, Oh, wow. so uh, do you, is it go? you find their tax reports or something? Is that what you do? Take us through it. Go ahead. Nobody's listening. Go ahead. <laughs> I I would just say that anything is possible if you put your mind to it and uh, if you're connected <laughs> to the internet. So yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I, th I feel like that's a comfortable way to, to I will it. say, speaking of journos, <laughs> this one line from Greg I was my favorite line in this entire article. The Associated Press reports that Matt Milano will test free agency, comma, and who am I to argue with such a monolith? 
This uh, continues a beeline of Greg's um, habits to constantly bury the Associated Press whenever he has. That's not a burial. What is the problem with the Associated Press? All, I, I don't know this at all. We all have little biases that come out in our writing, and for Greg, it's it's usually you're targeted at the AP. I don't even know what this is all about. I don't know wow. the background. I mean, these are your words, but okay. Well, the monolith part—it just like when you, the Associated Press reports a... something, it feels like okay. Well, that's just a fact. There's no—they are—they are the Associated Press. They cannot get it wrong. Who who would we be to argue with that? If you're talking about way back in the day, not wanting to use our AP articles, I mean that's just because I liked Mark Sessler and Connor Orr and Chris Wesseling and Dan Hanses's writing so much. It's just in that like, order. No order. I just remember when I came to the NFL, it's like you'd see all these AP articles on the front page. It's like, what are we doing here? Let's justify our paychecks. Mark was the master of, uh, if anybody has ever read an Associated Press article, right, it comes with the dateline and then the long M dash and then uh, the date, yeah, the dateline in parentheses and then the long M dash and then the AP and then it gets into the news. And when I first started working at uh, NFL Network, Mark used to send, and it's a tradition that I carried on uh, to SI and I've got I've tweaked out a few teammates from time to time where he'll send <laughs> like uh, an APR he'll work up like a 400 word AP article and he would send it in our chat client of like you know Mark Sanchez arrested in high high octane you know car chase sting or whatever and like but it looks so <laughs> official because it's got that AP uh, attachment on it and so you know I um I did one not too long ago where I texted all my coworkers and I just said OMG in all caps and I sent it to our group chat and then I did an AP out of New Orleans that Cooper Manning had been arrested for embezzling like millions of dollars um, and, and trying to like corner some like rubber market or something like that and they're like, they like oh my god uh, and the editor was like alright you know let's uh, let's start mobilizing on this you know, oh, <laughs> like, no. yeah, you're, yeah, just, like you're hoping to cause like sheer panic it's not going to last for more than four seconds <laughs> but you just want that four-second panic mode. Right. It's you also great. don't want it to get out the door and get kicked upstairs because then you have a problem, you know. <laughs> That's true. It's, a, it's like a very fine line, the needle of the thread. All right, let's uh, let's swing to the um, cut candidates. Uh, 2021 AFC slash NFC cut candidates, colon, viable releases and potential surprises by Greg oh, Rosenthal. No. Um, right at the top, on the AFC side of things, you got Von Miller, and it's kind of crazy to think about um, Von Miller being elsewhere, but he gets paid a very high salary. He's not the same guy he was, potentially. He's coming off a season that he had missed due to injury, and he's got some off-the-field stuff, Greg. It all feels like it's adding up to um, a end of the road with Denver that has logic. Yeah, I think even before he got hurt and before the off the field stuff, they might have found it hard to pay, you know, to not try to save 18 million against the cap. He seems like one of those guys, though, that could have a nice little late season run. I mean, late career run that he will have interest. Like usually these big name guys, we I, they get overrated in free agency. You know, Connor thinks so, like the big names. But he seems like he could actually make a difference at some point still. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that still the game plan would be dictated to to you. And even if that's all you bring to the table, you are handing your defensive coordinator more tools in the tool belt, which I think is a mm. valuable commodity. 
Greg, uh, Mark, what are you seeing here um, that jumped out to you? You know, the thing, it's not so much about a specific player, but watching what the Eagles and Saints are doing. The Eagles, um, Greg, you mentioned like multiple wide receivers, and by the time the article was up, you were correct on Alshon Jeffrey, you're correct on Deshaun Jackson, and there could be more. Um, Zach Ertz is is someone that could go. And I just sort of like the Eagles are going to look so different, but we talk about the cap not mattering and all this other business. Um, I do think it matters if you're the Saints because I can't remember a team in quite the fix that they're in and just how different these two teams could look next season. The Chiefs are another one. Like, they're two tackles, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. You could cut them. But it's all like cutting guys that you would want to cut anyways. In the Saints' case, they they're, it's just like not re-signing um, Trey Hendrickson and Marcus Williams, maybe. But they, yeah, they're among the teams. The Patriots, I would throw in there as a team that's going to like look incredibly different. I've heard some like Zacherts trade talk and feels like just like good luck with that. I'm not sure they're going to be able to get anything or get anyone to pay $8 million to Zacherts after he had like 300 yards and give up a draft pick for him. But like some of these teams. The, the Washington football team is another one that feels like a year late of Rivera coming there that they could just blow up the machine land in Collins, Alex Smith. It's awkward to cut Alex Smith. I know they don't want to, but that's probably coming. Like it, it does feel because of the cap stuff, like Connor said, people will just use it as an excuse to like release a ton of players, especially this year. There's, you know, the, it's amazing. The Eagles, that Super Bowl team is basically gone. Like they're totally wiped out at this point. And Ertz, you know, he's interesting to me. And I know people that watch the Eagles very closely will tell you that he was not a guy that was resembled the playmaker and the guy that caught the game go-ahead uh, touchdown in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. He doesn't seem like that guy anymore. But, you know, guys like Ertz and Anthony Barr, who you have on your list as a potential surprise cut of the Vikings, Chandler Jones – I would hesitate unless the team is having really, um, really difficult times with the cap and they need to find ways to get under. And that certainly is the case this year with the cap going down, which was not something anybody could have predicted. But when you have impact star players that are coming off a year where they just weren't physically right, uh, that it could end up blown up in your face if they get healthy and, and get back to their old ways on a new team. And it was just like, maybe we should have been a little more patient here. Mm. Especially with the realistic length preseason in some way shape or form right like uh, you know some of these guys don't panic mark you know mark does not want to see that preseason neither do i so neither does any of us really i gotta get out of the I, house I feel I like need... i'm an outlier there but no I... you're not you're not but it was your corner <laughs> i i need to i need the preseason i need to be at a banal jets mini camp practice in in april just to get outside i gotta do it i need to be there so we all must suffer through yes. you know we throw in the that's fine game. that's five weeks yeah. practice needs to be is at that green and white scrimmage that's practice is green good. And white scrimmage the snoopy ball dan how can you come on you know let's <laughs> they discontinued that i believe which is really a mm. shame because it's it's cynical people like the mark Sesslers and the greg rosenthal's that probably caused the metlife inc to put the trophy away for good Instead of it being well, wait a minute. That embraced. one game—that's one game that I did that I did um, celebrate. I mean, until you know, Mark Sanchez had what was it? His collarbone snapped like in the fourth quarter of the Snoopy Bowl. Totally. It was a shoulder injury. It was a shoulder injury. That pre- I mean, my AP report was not far off on Mark Sanchez that day. <laughs> Followed the infamous bloodied Eli Manning from the Super Bowl. Do you remember the Snoopy Bowl? Do you remember that? 
Yes. <laughs> when Eli Manning oh. was sacked by Calvin Pace and there was blood flying from his nose, and then the next year Rex Ryan put it on the cover of the game notes uh, <laughs> before the super before the Snoopy Bowl. That was like the great like one of the great moments in Rex it's Ryan's history. It's funny how history. like uh, how small um, and silly. Uh, things can get and how high school it, things can get in the NFL when you cover it as closely as we have for years. That year was, yes, after the Giants, I believe it won a Super Bowl or maybe not, but it was 2009 actually and the new MetLife Stadium was opening and the Jets and Giants had both footed the bill for it together and the Jets were no longer a tenant. And there was this idea like, who gets to play the first preseason game in the new stadium? And it was such an issue between the Jets and Giants that they were like, we need to move up the Jets-Giants preseason game from week three to week one so they so both organizations get to have the honor of playing the first game at MetLife Stadium. How stupid is that shit? <laughs> That's, the that's honor the of things are sometimes. I, that you could proudly say that you were the first team to play in the ugliest stadium in the NFL. <laughs> right, right. right. I mean, a tuna there's, can. There's no replacing the moment when, as a fan, um, you walk through the parking lot that was the old stadium to the stadium that seems exactly like the old stadium and was made 40 years ago. Yet is just like brand new. You can't replace the chills that that come about. <laughs> MetLife Stadium is like, if you're a baseball fan, um, when the White Sox built their replacement for Com Comiskey Park in the early 90s, and it was a very traditional, like, 70s, 80s-style stadium. And then a year later, two years later, Camden Yard shows up, as Connor <laughs> well knows. And that you started banged. the craze of the retro ballpark and people realizing, oh, we could, like, imprint our personality and, and make it, like, this, like, special place to go see a game. And the White Sox were like, what the hell? <laughs> we don't get to be a part of this? Like, I, I feel like that with a lot of these NFL stadiums that open now, that when the Jets and Giants... Uh, did their facility, and at the time, a lot was made of it, and there was a billion dollars and all this stuff, like, um, or maybe that was Gerald World, but um, that all the new stadiums that are coming out now, and we're going to be working at the new Rams Chargers facility uh, once this COVID thing uh, wraps up. Um, it <laughs> seems like these stadiums are really cool now, and like they, like when we went to Minneapolis for that Super Bowl, like that's an amazing building uh, with the Vikings. Anyway, we digress. The architect, uh, like somebody that I'd talked to with a background in design once and not really in football was like, uh, did they realize that the most iconic skyline in in the country is like literally five minutes that way? And they just they just they just erected this steel wall in front of it so that no one can see it. You know, like, visionaries, Connor, visionaries. Yeah, it feels like a swing and a miss. Um, anyway, Greg, before we go, we let's put our focus where it needs to oh. be. Uh, anything else you wanted to kind of mm -hmm. highlight here? And of course, go to NFL.com slash Rosenthal to check out his uh, writings in a more in-depth way. But uh, names that jump out to you that would be surprises, but also there, it makes sense on some no, I was surprised how much uh, Cowboys fans think Jalen Smith might get cut. That does not seem like a Jerry Jones move to me to like admit a mistake two years into a, into a monster extension. But I think that's kind of the levels of Jalen Smith's struggles last year. Like, if they're going to cut him, maybe they do it in August. John Smokey Brown, uh, there's an Old West favorite. He's something to keep an eye on. I think the Bills, like, want to get aggressive and maybe need to open up some cap space to do that. And I like John Brown a lot, but he might be one guy who loses his job because of that. Right. 
Connor, you had your own list. Do you, anything that Greg has mentioned here or that you've seen that you disagree with vehemently and you have to call his competency into question? The only thing that I disagree with is that it wasn't up at 1130 last night when I was trying to finish mine. And sometimes you just, you know, you don't copy, but you just make sure that you have everything. You kind of <laughs> double check. You double check your work. And, you know, after getting two kids to bed, you just, uh, you know, two kids under the age of two. You just don't feel like uh, you don't feel like being all that creative, you know. So take a peek. Take a peek. <laughs> just, you know. Sneak, sneak it's like a cross cross checking. That makes sense. That's that's largely what it is. Yeah, uh, and less plagiarism. What wh- wh- who'd you take a peek at, Greg? Uh, I don't know if those things were up. Yeah, I definitely look at like the free agency list to, um, before I yeah. send in my one just to make sure I didn't miss people. I don't know if there were other tag primers. I guess I didn't check check that out. But you check out like the local guys who've really got, you know, the inside scoop on the Ravens. Uh, and the and little people, of course. The little people. You ask around a little bit. You just say, hey, is this stupid? I mean, do you think to yourself, Greg, what would Dan and Mark do in this situation? Well, who would they be uh, zeroing in on? Nope. It's funny because <laughs> good response. It's funny because Greg, you you called out uh, Damashek's uh, sources on our last podcast. Like I, th- I think I know Greg's sources too, but I will not call them out. I know who's I know his birdies. Well, there was multiple this time, but yes, yeah, some are you know insiders at our company. Certainly, I'm not giving anything away there, but but uh, but others as well. All right, good stuff. Good good stuff. You've said it all, Connor. I thank uh, you for it. Yeah, this was fun. Thank we you. We went so long you had to grab your power cord in the middle of the last segment. How so how is my transition? Cool I've been like I've been infamous for this now like throughout COVID for some reason. I I just don't bring it with me when I go down to the basement to do this <laughs> and um before every show when we do our podcast our producers like, "Do you have your power cord?" Uh we need to <laughs> like we need to stop pausing the show 45 minutes in for you to run upstairs and get your power cord get another power cord would be what i'd say si except step up to the plate yeah you got to put that on si speaking of monoliths (laughs) come on now hey subscribe to a new online product uh which is launched it's great uh access to some really uh cool stuff and, and buy the magazine you know like it's still like it's great I, I was I was reading it the other day and it's just awesome. So hey, I mean, unless that's money that you would allocate to NFL media property, um, sure. How many covers are you up to, Connor? SI covers, which is the holy grail of sports writing, um, or has been for most of our lives. How many covers you got? Two. Good yeah. for you. So that's two more than I thought I would ever have. So. That's pretty awesome. Connor is just yet another alumnus of NFL media who went on to. Greater things, and yes, check them out at si.com. Um, your podcast, what's I don't see you plugging your podcast in your Twitter profile, but I assume that's still happening. The Weak Side podcast, uh, with Jenny Vrentis. Uh, we just did a, a really fun uh season wrap up show. Uh, uh, got some some really good feedback from our listeners after like I guess this is like our second full season. We have a logo now, uh, mm. it's, Ooh, it's, it's big fun, step. yeah, cartoon like step. cartoon depictions of ourselves which means you really have arrived in the podcast landscape and <laughs> absolutely and i feel good about that yeah i think the key was getting breer out of it you know it was like it was a little bit of a wet blanket you just gotta have like the good you have to have it's all about vibes so once you got breer off the pod i just think wide left albert going, is going big. 
when we were all in the podcast together, it was like making a soup with three really strong ingredients. And, you know, maybe Albert is saffron or shallots and they need to stand on their own. Uh, and so, and obviously the Albert Brewer show is excellent. So you should subscribe that, there too. And now you understand how Jenny and Connor delivered the news to Bert that he was no longer on their podcast. <laughs> it's like the, uh, there's the Wilco, uh, poster behind you that I am trying to break your heart documentary where Jeff Tweedy kicks him uh, uh, what's his name out of the band and he starts with every circle needs a center and uh, and and it's and it's basically not you you know Uh, not you it's me Uh, but you do and I don't know I don't know why we tend to ramble a little bit more when Connor's on but you know it's conversational it's a free-flowing conversation Uh, we did once upon a time uh, go through our Twitter bios and then you critiqued each one. And I just now have to deliver that critique to you because um, we all love Jenny and you do great work and you're a natural podcaster. Uh, just having that you're a staff writer, it's a little bit too minimalist. Let's get the plug for the podcast in there and maybe the podcast numbers will, you know, shoot up a little bit. It's funny. I That was my initial banging. Is yours, Greg, is yours still just football? Mm-hmm. I yeah, never that, changed it. And then, you know, that was one last great Wes memory was I didn't look at Wes's before I came on. <laughs> oh, then, that was great. And then I, I just, like, unwittingly ripped it to shreds, and then I felt awful about it. And then, you know, two years later at the Super Bowl, I did my list of things that I hate, didn't look at his Instagram, and just, like, ripped it to shreds unwittingly. And I felt, you know, he was a good sport about it, but I always I felt terrible about that. I think I was like all oh, the people who cut their their hamburger open and take a picture of it and Wes is like I love there doing was. that you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway Connor we uh, really appreciate you giving us uh, the time and yes uh, you were another favorite of Chris Westling's and that's what we've kind of been doing in these shows um, since his untimely passing uh, having some of his favorite people on that have been either friends or connected to the show or to the company and uh, you qualified uh, as all three. So thank you, buddy, uh, for coming on, sharing memories and giving us your, you know, that, that Connor sizzle that you always bring. Well, thanks for having me on. And again, uh, you know, for anybody who sees the, uh, the GoFundMe for Lakeisha and Lincoln, you know, anything that you guys can do to help make a difference there, um, you know, please continue to do so. Well said. Yes. Check out the GoFundMe. It's um, pinned on all of our Twitter pages. All right. We'll be back on Thursday with our second episode of the week. Uh, thank you to everybody for following along. And we again appreciate all your support uh, during this difficult time for the show. Uh, this is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm. Who are you kidding me? The old boss and Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Till Thursday. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 